Hey, Michael. Hey. This probably will end up being a short one today because this okay. major is mainly uh, talking about, uh, well, some new projects or new things uh, that uh, I've got going on that uh, I wanted to call people's attention to. Um, the first one being yet another website <laughs> because, you know, I kind of like websites. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I like making new websites. You know, as we discussed before, I have a uh, a cache of uh, of domains. Uh, basically, anything I I think about or come up uh, with an idea for, I the very first thing I do is run off and see if a domain's available for it and register it. And uh, there was uh, one of these that came up recently. And it was actually based on um, a Mac app um, that is kind of in yeah, alpha beta stages now. By the way, alpha is the new beta. Have you noticed? Yeah. Like app.net is alpha. Um, people, there's always been alphas, but now people are releasing to alpha level. Yeah, yeah. People are like releasing alphas. I mean, it used to be like an, uh, like an avant-garde thing to release betas, but now it's like really like cool and hip and cutting edge to release alphas, apparently. Google, Google made it cool. Uh, Google made betas cool, but did they make alphas cool? They didn't make alphas cool, did they? I don't think they? so. I think they had a Google Wave alpha. Was Wave an alpha? I think there was one. I don't know if it was. Anyway. Uh, I thought it was the beta. Maybe. I thought everything Google did was beta. Like, that was a whole shtick, right? It is forever. These fully featured things that were beta. Um... <laughs> That you know it was their way of uh, saying, well, we don't want to hear your complaints about this stuff that's broken. Not, not finished yet, so you yeah. can't say anything about so it. So you can't say anything. Yeah. Well, now people are doing that with Alphas. Um, in any case, I digress. <clears throat> By the way, I'm on App.net. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I don't know if I'm going to be going back to Twitter ever. I'm sorry to say, <clears throat> but it's an alpha, so I can't say that officially yet. We'll see what happens once it's released. <laughs> Uh, until then, no one can complain about me being on Twitter, not being on Twitter. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, the website. Uh, so I, there was a, a, a Mac app that uh, is an alpha uh, called Folding Text. It's done by Hogbay Software, uh, whose uh, products I, I have uh, long uh, admired and enjoyed. Uh, Hogbay makes uh, Task Paper, uh, which is a fantastic approach uh, towards uh to-do list uh, and list making, if that's your thing. Um, write Room, which is, you know, if you like your kind of quotation marks distraction-free writing environments, uh, Write Room is for you. And uh, Plain Text, uh, which is the um, kind of uh, stylish uh, plain text uh, editor that uh, I used on... Uh, on the iPad and the iPhone to write, ooh, I don't know, my entire last book. <laughs> Enough. Um, I use plain text by Hogbay. And Jesse Grossgene, the uh, principal developer there, is just a, a splendid guy. Really, really down to earth, really nice guy, and really smart, and knows what he's doing. Uh, but he started working on this thing that originally started off as kind of a 
a replacement, uh, not really a replacement, but kind of like the next generation of tax, task paper, but then quickly realized that eh, maybe it was something a bit more than that and had some properties of right room thrown in and things like that. And so he decided to work on it as a separate project. And that separate project is called folding text. And what folding text is, is really difficult to describe because it's a kind of combination between a plain text markdown editor and a task manager and an outliner. As crazy as that sounds, doesn't, that's what it is. It <laughs> doesn't really seem like those three things would gel in an application. They don't, normally. But the way that they're executed here, it's one of those things that's like, okay, uh, I don't really get this. I don't. This is not making sense to me until you start using it. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Holy cow. I had no idea I needed this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of those sorts of things. At least it was for me. Uh, and, uh, y- yeah, really interesting. But as I'm using this thing, the whole time I'm using this thing, I think because I'm such a big user of his other product, plain text. I mean, almost everything I've written, oh, gosh, on the iPhone and the iPad in the past year and a half have been written using plain text for for iPad. Um, when I'm using plain text, or for iPhone, I should say, um, I'm using plain text whenever I'm not using typewriter, which is, um, you know, uh, another, the other big chunk of uh, things that I write are written in typewriter. Um, but uh, I digress. So, as I was using folding text, a nagging thought kept keep that's right in the back of my mind, which is, well, this is great and all, and I think it's going to make a great Mac app. And I have no doubt that, you know, at some point down the line, he's thinking about making it for the iPad and iPhone and such. My thought was, why these days make anything without the iPad in mind? Right? Why not, as a matter of fact... Develop for the future and make things iPad first. It seems like that's what Apple's doing. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the major innovations that have happened in, oh, I don't know, uh, let's take iPhoto, for instance, you know, and some of the thinking that they've done there. Well, yeah, okay, now take a look at the Mac version of iPhoto. Uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, now, now you see where that's going. That they're innovating for, for iPad first, in a lot of cases, and bringing those ideas to the Mac. Um, and so why aren't other people following Apple's lead on this? Why aren't we seeing that the iPad is the future? And it's clear to me that it is the future. Um, and it's the future that exists right now today and that one would serve themselves well by developing for iPad first. And it just so happened I owned a domain. <laughs> <laughs> that domain just happened to be iPadFirst.com. Did you own that before? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> you, you own all the domains, so why? why <laughs> now, what uh, what's interesting about that one was that uh, that I I owned it, but it was up for renewal, and so I I had to uh, basically I was going to let it expire. <laughs> <laughs> got this idea that like, okay, here's a perfect example of something that should be iPad first. And I'm just going to go through and I'm going to highlight all of those applications that are developed for iPad first as, you know, whatever I can find, however I can find it, whatever I feel is compelling, a compelling example of the case. So for instance, um, OmniFocus is another example, Right. OmniFocus for iPad is arguably, you know, was not OmniFocus wasn't developed for iPad first, but OmniFocus as as it is now being developed is being developed for iPad first. The features that are making it into the iPhone app and the direction that the Mac app is going is all based upon their rethinking of the app for the iPad. So such that it is such a different app that they've reset the direction and that now OmniFocus is being driven by what's happening on the iPad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Just being one example. Um, To another example being those, you know, those apps that are only for the iPad. And it's not just limited to app apps. Uh, 37 Signals has a web app called Chalk, which is a... Uh, just basically a little quick sketching wireframing app that works within the browser, but only works on iPad. You can't use chalk on any other device. If you do, you get a message that says, sorry, this is only for iPad. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a perfect example of a web app that is designed for iPad only. And so, yeah, I think that uh, uh, I think that my goal for the site is simply to highlight those apps that are out there and available for the iPad in the hopes that I can add some sort of small contribution to the conversation about, you know, when we are developing these days, developers should be thinking about not just one platform, but at the very least thinking about all the platforms at once. And perhaps might even be so bold to say that you may want to think about iOS first and then drive your Mac app from there. Because that's clearly the direction that Apple is going. <laughs> and you would serve yourself well to do the same. Follow the mothership. You know, I, generally I have found that uh, in my years of being uh, involved in a software development in the Mac community as well as just a uh, observer of it, that uh, if you see a direction that Apple is going, if you're not going that direction, you will quickly they will quickly pull the rug out from under you. Um. You know, and listen to their subtle hints, and they're not so subtle hints, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I'll, I could tell you recount countless stories about 
going to Macworld or going to WWDC, not myself, but uh, I, I've never gone to a WWDC, but I've gone to plenty of Macworlds and, uh, with uh, software companies. And uh, the said company being, you know, basically going to Apple and saying, you know, so we want to do this thing, but, uh, you know, we're, we're finding, you know, this roadblock or that roadblock, you know, what's, you know, or do you think, you know, the things might, will be going in this direction, you know, or what have you. And, you know, Apple basically coming back and saying, well, that's a good idea, but we would, we would do things differently. And just leaving it at that. <laughs> you know, okay, whatever our my plan was, I'm, I got to scrap it because Apple's about to, <laughs> is about to like completely pull the rug out from under us, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we would probably go a different direction with that. Or we, we don't see that as a place that we think is uh, the, 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 that, technology is going and so maybe we would do something else right and they'll give you these really subtle hints that reveal zero information but tell you everything you need to know Um, and uh, it seems to me like uh, with the iPad they're giving lots of not so subtle hints right Mm -hmm. whenever you have um, kind of the person who has been at the forefront of uh, the iPad being uh, uh, promoted to senior VP alongside Bob Mansfield, that should tell you something about what Apple thinks about the importance of the iPad and the direction of the company. That's the changes in the hardware division, right? That's the changes in their senior vice president lineup uh, yeah. that they announced yesterday as of this recording. Yes. Yes. And so that's a not so subtle hint that basically Apple saying, if you didn't know so before, the iPad is really, really really important. So important that we're going to put it at the very top level of our company. That this isn't just like some sub-product that falls under its own, you know, that falls amongst our other sub-products. This is so important that we are going to we're going to move up the person on in charge of that group to a senior vice president level. Because it needs that. Because it needs that, um, but also uh, telling should be the fact that uh, that uh, that Bob Mansfield, who announced he was retiring, what a month and a half ago, two months ago now, mm-hmm. is suddenly not retiring, and he's going to be working on new projects for Tim Cook, and working on new projects for Tim Cook. Basically, Tim needs a new coffee machine, and Bob Mansfield's <laughs> the only man who can get the job done. <laughs> I just, I find it really, really fascinating, really interesting. What could be so important, so huge that it requires two, two senior VPs of hardware? New, new product, like brand, maybe more new product divisions, new, new areas that they've yet to explore. That's a possibility. 
I, I don't doubt that at all. But I think the other the other part of that, you know, I, I think it's not that simple. I think there's two parts of it. Yes, part of it is they are obviously working on something that they see as a big, big thing, right? Like, uh, let's just say as big as the iPad and the iPhone have been. But the other part of that, too, is just how big the iPhone and the iPad have become, right? That they have become so big that uh, that it, that Apple now needs two senior VPs of hardware. Mm-hmm. And that they're that important. They have that and much hardware. That, that, that that's kind of the, the future of the company, right, is whatever, whatever secret things Bob Mansfield is going to be in charge of as well as the iPhone and the iPad. So I guess in the post-returning jobs era, they probably have more products now than they have had before. Mm, Yeah, but when you look at it, they still have a relatively small product lineup. Yeah. When compared to other companies, right? Like, I was just thinking about this the other day. I wonder how well a company like, say, Dell would be served or let's just say HP, but Dell's easier just simply because Dell, you know, here's a company that was, I mean, just, I mean, at the top of their game and now they are barely heard in whispers, right? Mm. It's just, it's sad what has become of Dell. Um, uh, but a big part of that is because, I mean, if you ever have tried to buy a Dell PC and figure out what you want, it's, next to near impossible because they have like 150, 200 choices. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, how do I, how do I know what's best? What's the, what's the right thing for me and what options I want? And they, uh, it's just, it's crazy. Right. And I, I, I was thinking to myself just the other day, I wonder, I wonder how well Dell would be served by just saying, you know, Michael Dell gets up in front of the in front of his uh, R and D group tomorrow and says, "Okay, from here on out, we are going to make one great laptop. We're going to make and sell one great laptop and one great PC. We're scrapping every single product option off the books. Go do that. I wonder how that would change their company." by just simplifying things and focusing all of their attention on one great desktop and one great laptop, you know? Not to say that they shouldn't, you know, I mean, the the other part of the problem, too, is that they've got nothing to show in the phone or tablet space, but that's neither here nor there. But, well, it is it is here nor there simply because, well, um, desktops and laptops are, are they're not the future. <laughs> Um, but that said, they're still around and they're still very, you know, you know, necessary and people still really feel like they need them for a lot of things. Um, and so, uh, great. Let's, you know, why not focus on just those two great things? I, I wonder. I wonder how much that would change the company. I don't know the answer to that question as me thinking out loud. But that's also Apple's greatest strength, right? Mm-hmm. There's not really, you know, there's not 10 different iPhones. There's one iPhone. And you can choose from the internals, but there's one iPhone. You know, Apple's not selling 30 different phones. Unlike, say, I don't know, hmm, uh, everybody else. Right? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Apple at most at any given time has two, right? They've got last generation's model, which is now their quote unquote free phone, and they've got the current one. Um, same thing with the iPad, right? They've got the cheap iPad too, or they've got the quote unquote new iPad. And you've got six different versions of that, but it's the same iPad. It's, you know, that's it. They've got one iPad. That's the new iPad. And however you want that configured inside is, you know, but there's not like all different models of tablets. They don't have 30 different tablets, right? Um, so when you look at it, Apple's product line is still very simple and very compact and very well, um, very focused. Very focused. So iPad first is about this idea. It's about the idea of why not develop for the future. And uh, I urge people to check it out. Okay, at the very least, you'll find a lot of great iPad apps that you haven't heard of before. And maybe some you have but haven't really thought about in the same way. So there you go. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention uh, real quick. And that is that... Uh, uh, I, uh, Matt Alexander, 137.net. That's uh, one spelled out, three seven uh, numerals, dot net. And Bionic. And, and also uh, uh, does Bionic with Michael here for 70 decibels network, which is a great uh, Android-esque podcast. <laughs> Esque is a good... Yeah, we discussed the 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 crux of the show is we discuss competing ecosystems to the ones that we're used to, um, whether that be Apple or Twitter. Um, right. But at the moment, we're mainly focusing on Android. Yeah, yeah, and it's really really well done. Thank you. Um, well, so he has this uh, interview uh, series he calls Real Life, where he talks with various uh, folks, pundits, as it were. Uh, he interviews them about uh, technology. Um, and he uh, was kind enough to uh, do this uh, with me uh, over the past several months, and it literally did take several months. And I really, really liked the way that this interview came out. One of the reasons I really liked the way it came out is because I've made a conscious choice with interviews lately that the agreement I make with folks is that they take a very, very long time. Because what I say to them is that I'm going to take each question and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it often and deeply. And that deep thinking requires lengths of time, great lengths of time. And great answers, well-written responses, also require great lengths of deep thinking and time. And so... You know, when you ask me a question, it may be several weeks before you get a response. <laughs> That's exactly how this interview went. He would shoot me this long question, and I would contemplate it for a very long time. And then I would sit down and start composing my response. And then I would massage that and massage that and massage that and massage that until finally I felt it was good enough, and then I would send it. Me and you are the exact opposite of interviewee. <laughs> <laughs> I just receive it and go, okay, send. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, and I, I used to be that way, or I used to like sit down and just like, you know, pound out a bunch of answers to Quentin. You know, but I don't know. I, I think this new approach is serving me better, and I think serving the process better, I think resulting in a much better interview, and I urge people to check it out. Um, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But if you go to 137.net, uh, it'll be near the top. Um, you know, you can do a search for it or whatnot. Um, but uh, I talk uh, quite a bit about uh, the role that technology plays in our lives and that of our children. Um, and that, uh, and and also the idea that technology is not something new. That technology is simply the confluence, the result, the 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 marriage, as it were, of tools and systems, and that any tool and system mastered um, and merged um, is a technology. Fire, for instance, being a good example of that that I've talked about on the podcast recently. Um, and so what we have to do instead is realize, A, none of this is new, and B, that um, neither are, are our choices, and the choices still remain. How do we best use this technology in ways that are sustainable and ways that promote our our values and future growth versus uh, using them in ways that are destructive? And that this choice exists uh, just as much with digital technology as it does with fire or any other technology, right? So um, I urge people to check that out. I think it came out really well. Cool. All right. Well, and with that, we'll wrap this up and chat later. We will. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. <laughs>